Brothers and sisters, I, I greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, and we are going to look at the first four verses. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 4. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the title of my sermon is Living the Christian Life. Living the Christian Life. Uh, the book of Colossians speaks about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And so far we have seen that Jesus Christ is the great deliverer, the great redeemer, and the great forgiver of sins. Colossians 1.13 tells us this, that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And if you're here this morning and you don't understand what Christianity is all about, let me give it to you in a few sentences. You are made by God to enjoy him and glorify him. And yet you instead sinned against him and mocked at his goodness and your sins deserve to be punished eternally by a holy God. But God has intervened and he has provided a remedy for your misery. Jesus Christ came to stand in your place as a substitute to take the punishment that you deserve and to provide the redemption and forgiveness that you did not deserve. And this is received by faith in Jesus Christ. And this is why we say that Jesus Christ is the great redeemer and the great forgiver of sins. We've also seen that the book of Colossians lifts up Jesus as supreme in creation, as one who is supreme and preeminent in the church and as supreme in reconciliation. And as we have seen in the call to worship this morning, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, that Jesus Christ is God made manifest. The book of Colossians further teaches that Jesus is sufficient, that he is sufficient against empty philosophies, he is sufficient to provide a coherent worldview, and that he is a sufficient savior. We see these two themes in Colossians, the supremacy of Jesus Christ and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. So now, brothers and sisters, we come to a turning point in the book of Colossians. And in this section, in chapter 3, we see here how to live the Christian life, how to change. You see, brothers and sisters, in this section, we see here the connection between doctrine and life. 
See, in other words, if Jesus is supreme and sufficient, so what? How must this truth about Jesus Christ change me? How must I respond to this message of Jesus Christ? How must I be transformed by this truth? And how does this truth connect with my life? So what? That's the question. And so for our study this morning, I want us to see three ways we should respond to the saving work of Jesus Christ so that we can thrive in our Christian life. Three ways we should respond to the saving work of Jesus Christ so we can thrive in our Christian life. And first, I want us to see embrace. Embrace your identity in Christ. Now look back in our passage, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, brothers and sisters, many Christians don't make progress in their Christian life because they've forgotten who they are. And even worse, they don't know their identity in Christ. And in this text, we are reminded of our identity. We are instructed to embrace who we are in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. You have been raised with Christ. Look at verse 3. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. In verse 4, Christ is your life. You see, brothers and sisters, the key idea here is that a sinner who has put their faith in Jesus Christ has a new identity. In 2 Corinthians 5:17, it tells us this that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Embrace your identity. This means come into terms with the reality that you have been changed. You are no longer who you were. You have been miraculously transformed. You have been given a new life. A life that has capacity to change. A life that can respond to the commands of God. You have been given a new heart. A new heart that has ability to love God. A new heart that has affections towards God. And growth in the Christian life begins here with the right thinking about who we are. See, the Bible tells us over and over that apart from Jesus Christ, we are alienated from God. Colossians 1.21 Apart from Jesus Christ, we are hostile towards God. And apart from Jesus Christ, we delighted in doing evil deeds. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that apart from Jesus Christ, before Jesus Christ, we were dead. We were slaves to sin. We deserved the wrath of God. We were alienated from God's people. We were strangers to the covenants of the promise of God. It says we had no hope and we were without God in the world. Ephesians 4, 17, apart from Jesus Christ, before Jesus, we are futile in our minds, we are darkened in our understanding. 
We were alienated from the life of God. We were ignorant. We were hardened and callous towards God. We gave ourselves up to sensuality, to greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. And this is how the Bible describes one without Jesus Christ. Oh, brothers and sisters, our passage begins here with a reminder. You are no longer who you were. You have been raised with Christ. Your old self died with Christ. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so with Christ, that old wrath-deserving God-hating, hope-lacking, sin-loving, hell-deserving self, dead self is gone. See, brothers and sisters, there is power in knowing who we are in Christ. And knowing who you are in Christ is knowing that your sins are forgiven, that you have been given a new heart, that you have the ability to change. You see, knowing who we are in Christ is knowing that we are accepted, we are forgiven, we are welcomed, and we are empowered to obey. In Romans 6, 4, it says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. So we too might walk in newness of life. We should all start here, embrace your identity with Christ. Successful Christian living begins with an embrace of our new identity in Christ. We have been raised with Christ. And this brings us to our second instruction. Live. Live. In other words, be who you are. Be who you are. Look together in our passage. If then you have been raised with Christ, listen, here's the first commandment. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And here's the second one. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You see, brothers and sisters, here we find these two interrelated commands. Seek the things that are above and set your minds on things that are above. You see here, the Bible says, seek and set. You see, first, before we understand exactly what the commandment is, I want you to see the foundation or the condition for the command. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, then seek and set your minds. See, let me render to you this verse in another way. If your old life has died with Christ, and you have been raised to a new life with Christ, then seek the things that are above and set your minds on things that are above. You see, friends, in other words, the Bible is saying salvation comes first and then change follows. You can only conquer forgiven sin. See, while other religions say change and then you'll be saved, the Bible says you have been saved. Now you must change. 
See, our text tells us here that a miracle has happened to you. That if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you must know that at that very moment, you have capacity to change. That you can obey. You can obey. Therefore, obey. That's what our text is telling us. That, dear Christian, your old life has died with Christ and you have been raised to a new life with Christ. You have a new heart. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put in you a new spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Therefore, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. You see, the lesson here is that you can obey because you've been made alive. That Christian, you are capable of obeying God's commands. Jesus has given you a new life and live that life. You know who you are, now be who you are. A miracle has happened in you, now act that miracle. Live, be who you are. That's the foundation for the commandment. See, a lot of Christians are quick to yield to sin and temptation because they fail to grasp this point. That faith in Jesus Christ comes with a miracle that has happened in your life, a capacity to obey God and conquer sin and conquer temptation. And failure to grasp your identity will lead to poor living. But knowing who you are will lead to godly living. Listen to how Ephesians chapter 2 solidifies this point. It says, We enjoyed gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our own transgressions. And as Ephesians chapter 2 continues, as you go to verse 10, it says, we are, God, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The idea here is that salvation leads to change. You can obey because you have been made alive. 1 Peter chapter 2, it says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light. Listen to how First Peter chapter 2 verse 11 it, it, it shows us this pattern in the Bible that you have been saved. Now obey. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Embrace who you are. Live. Embrace who you are and be who you are. Remember who you are in Christ and be who you are in Christ. Remember that you have been forgiven and now live the resurrected life. Remember that you have died and now live the resurrected life. Remember that you have been raised with Christ and obey Christ. God has worked a miracle in you. Now act that miracle you can obey because you've been made alive. 
And my brother and my sister, I want you to speak this truth to yourself during intense moments of pressures and temptation. I want you to speak this truth to yourself that I can obey because I have been made alive. This is the foundation for the commandment. And I want you to learn to take scripture and break it down. Fight fire with fire. When you are, when you are at your, your weakest moment of intense temptation, you need to learn to fight fire with fire. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. I am a foreigner and an exile, and I must and I can abstain from sinful desires. Sin is my enemy. It wages war against my soul, and I will wage war against it. Learn to take the Bible and take the promises of God in the Bible and fight fire with fire. Now you say, how do I do this? Perhaps you're saying, give me the specifics. How do I go about living the new life? Now pay attention now to these words in our passage. Now look at verse 1. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? Uh, Let me give it to you in one sentence. Let your thinking and your lifestyle be continually oriented around Christ's kingship and priesthood all of your life. Let me give it to you in, in, in other words. Live as though Jesus Christ is God. Because Jesus Christ is God. Live in obedience to your master. This is what it means to set your minds on things above and to seek the things that are above. You, you see, not only have I been changed and given a new life, but I, be, I belong to a new kingdom. I have a new king and I must obey him. And the fact that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God must occupy our thinking and shape our living. Let your thinking and lifestyle be continually oriented around who Jesus is. You see, live and think in a way that shows that Jesus is your king. Look at how our passage puts it. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You see, pay attention to these words. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. See, this teaching of Christ seated at the right hand of God is also called the heavenly session of Christ. You see, this is a reference to Psalm 110 that lifts Jesus Christ up as the great king and priest over his people. Psalm 110 speaks about Jesus as a triumphant king over his enemies and a priest over his people. You see, Paul pulls up Psalm 110 and he reminds us of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And what he's lifting up to us this morning is you must pay homage to Jesus Christ. Pledge your allegiance to Jesus Christ. Not only because of what he has done for you, but because of who he is. 
You see, Psalm 110 draws our attention to the exaltation of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 110 here, David brings us to this conversation between God the Father and Jesus Christ. And David records for us, he says, God the Father says to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. The Lord has sworn and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see, brothers and sisters, the Bible here reminds us that we must obey Jesus not only because of what he has done for us, but because of who he is. See here, the reminder here is we must bend the knee to Jesus Christ. We must pay homage to him. Philippians 2 verse 9, it says, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow down in heaven on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You you see, brothers and sisters, the point here is that Jesus Christ is no longer a baby in the manger. He is on the throne. And you must pledge your allegiance to him. Westminster Catechism here gives us some more insights here into this teaching of the heavenly session of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. It says, Christ is exalted in his sitting at the right hand of God, in that as the God-man, he's advanced to the highest favor with God the Father, with all fullness of joy, glory, and power over all things in heaven and earth. And he subdues their enemies. He gives his ministers and people with gifts and graces and makes intercession for them. Do you get the point? What Paul is driving at here is that we don't have a weak savior. Jesus Christ is in a position of power. He is the victor. He is Christ the victor. Christ the successful one. He's the most he's in the most exalted position. And let your thinking and your life be oriented around this truth about Jesus Christ. You see, the path to change in your life is to think about Jesus Christ as the one who conquered your enemies, the one who rescued you from destruction, the one who is triumphant over Satan. It is to think about Jesus as the one who redeemed you from slavery, the one who has exonerated you from all the accusations of the devil, and the one who rescued you from all condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Think about Jesus as the one who died for you. The one who has raised for you, the one who's in a position of power right now, the one who intercedes for you, the one who loves you. You see, to seek the things that are above is to realize that Jesus Christ is in the highest, most highest possible place of exaltation. He's exalted by God. Romans 8, 34 says who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died 
more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, and who shall separate us from the love of Christ. You see, to set your minds on things above and to, to seek the things that are above is to think and act. To think in an act that shows that you fully understand the heavenly session of Jesus Christ. It is to know that because of Jesus, all your sins have been forgiven. You have been made alive. You have capacity to obey. And Satan and sin have no authority over you. Colossians 2, verse 13 to 15, it says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Set your minds on things above and seek the things that are above. See, the tense is in the present continuous. It says keep doing it. Keep setting your minds on things that are above and keep seeking the things that are above. You see, in other words, you need to keep obeying Jesus. You need to keep trusting Jesus. You need to keep worshiping Jesus. You need to keep bending your knee to Jesus. You need to keep prioritizing Jesus. Set your minds on things above and seek the things that are above. This means that you need to seek them. You need to pursue them. You need to chase them. You need to track these things down. You need to seize them. You need to hold onto them. You need to gaze at them. You need to dig into them to understand them. You need to taste them. You need to savor them and treasure them. Your thinking and your life needs to be oriented around who Jesus is. Philippians 4 verse 8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Think and act. Know who you are and be who you are. Set your mind on things above. Seek the things that are above. Give Jesus the complete allegiance that he deserves. And if you are not a Christian here, I want to invite you to put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning. It is Jesus Christ who rescues sinners and he also transforms sinners. And I want to lift up hope for you this morning that Jesus Christ will break that power of sin. He will set you free. And his blood will make the vilest sinner clean. And his blood is available for you today. Perhaps you are trying to live the Christian life by your own strength and your own grit and effort. I want to invite you to come first to him by faith. You cannot live the Christian life if you are not saved. You cannot be what you are not. But friend, do not despair. I'm lifting up hope for you this morning. Jesus says in Matthew 11:28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you. He is full of pity, love, and power. Friends, we are called to live the Christian life by first embracing who we are and living and being who we are. We are also called to anticipate. Let us look at our final point. Anticipate your future with Christ. Look at verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, the Christian life is worth pursuing because the benefits are eternal and secure. Look at verse 3b. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Your life is hidden with Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says us, it tells us this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading and kept in heaven for you. See, the glories of the age to come are beyond our present imagination and comprehension. Look at how verse 4b puts it. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. First John chapter 3, verse 2 tells us of this moment. It says, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Brothers and sisters, our future with Christ will be a future of purity of heart, with capacity to love him, with the glory of our resurrected body. Philippians 3.21 tells us this, that our, t- our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Anticipate. Do you anticipate your future with Christ? Our future with Christ will be a future without grief and sorrow. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Brothers and sisters, I'm calling you this morning to realize that to live the Christian life begins with an embrace of who you are in Christ. And to live the Christian life continues to being obedient to Christ as your King and your Priest and your Lord in all things. And the Christian life must be full of anticipation of our future with Christ to win us of all the desires and the temptations of this world. 
our future with Christ will be a future full of joy and pleasure forevermore. Psalm 16 verse 11, in your presence there is fullness of joy and in your right hand pleasures forevermore. Do you anticipate your future with Christ? Jonathan Edwards puts it this way. He says, the enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives or children or the company of earthly friends are but shadows. But God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the ocean. Anticipate your future glories with Christ. Friends, the things that you long for will control your time, your attention, your efforts, your joy, and your satisfaction. Is there a future with Christ that you anticipate? that you long for, that controls your time and your attention. If you anticipate a future with Christ, you'll not be obsessed by the things of this world. As the song puts it, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Brothers and sisters, do you want to live the Christian life? Your thinking and your lifestyle must be continually oriented around Christ in all things. Embrace your identity in Jesus Christ. Live and obey Jesus Christ as the King in all things. And anticipate your future with Him. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you'd plant this word deep in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's sing our closing song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.